Uh, believe it or not, I was in sixth grade at one point in time. I know for those that are a lot younger than I am, you're like, you were, really? You're so old. How could you have ever been in sixth grade? But I was in sixth grade, and I went to a nice Catholic school back outside of Buffalo, New York. And uh, I remember this particular year because um, I used to go to the school, the gymnasium, a lot after hours because I had a lot of buddies that played basketball. Now you're probably thinking, well, why didn't you play basketball, Bob? Well, I was slow. I was a little overweight in, in that age time frame. <laughs> and so I was slow. And so I did other things, but I just, I, man, I just couldn't do the basketball court. So, so we'd go there and, and I'd go there and, and watch them practice and just hang out. And then we'd mess around afterward and stuff. But a lot of times what I do is I get a little curious and walk around the school. And you know that that's probably not a good thing for a person in sixth grade just kind of walking around an empty school uh, by himself or with a buddy. And it was especially bad when my buddy was there, too, because he didn't play basketball either. So both of him and I are walking around the school. Well, <clears throat> I hate to admit this, but we came across the cafeteria one day on our wanderings through the school. And we found out where the uh, ice cream locker was, the cooler for ice cream. And yeah, you probably know where I'm going with this. We figured out, you know, you got to remember I grew up in New York. So I New York the lock is what I call it. So we New York the lock and got into the freezer full of ice cream sandwiches. And my buddy and I, we, we took part of some ice cream sandwiches. Well, this went on for a while and it was just him and I and we would do this periodically. Well, lo and behold, one day we got caught by another student. And so here we are eating our plunder of ice cream sandwiches, and he walks in on us and catches us. So at that point in time, I was about willing to do anything. I tried to bribe him, but that didn't work. He didn't want anything. He didn't want ice cream sandwiches. So he was going to threaten to tell the coach on us and stuff, and we're like, no, 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 we'll we'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want, we will do so that you don't blow us in for stealing ice cream sandwiches. And so he said, all right. He goes, what you need to do is you need to do whatever I ask you guys to do for the next week. And we're like, all right, absolutely, because I'm thinking and I'm strategizing in my mind, all right, if the coach finds out, the school's going to find out. And remember, I said it was a Catholic school, so the principal, the nun's going to find out, and then that's not going to be good. I'm going to get suspended, and then my parents will find out, and then I'll get grounded. So I'm kind of contemplating all this in my mind, and I'm like, what could he possibly do for me in a week? So I'm like, all right. So both my buddy and I were like, all right, we're, we're yours for a week. And so uh, I don't remember exactly what happened. I wasn't too bad. There was a lot of homework involved, I'm sure, that I had to do for him. And uh, I think I bought him lunch a couple times at, at the cafeteria. So, uh, but in my mind, that was an easy choice for me to make because the alternative for me was uh, unthinkable. I knew, for one thing, I would lose my freedom, and I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to be grounded or suspended or, or whatever the coach was going to do. So, so freedom was ringing in my ear that if I can make this deal with this guy, that I would not lose my freedom and I would, I would have my freedom. But another way to look at that is that what I was really thinking of is that I needed redemption at that time because I got caught stealing. I mean, I got caught stealing And here, this guy had this over me, and I would do anything to get my redemption, to continue to keep my freedom, and and we made this bargain to, uh, to do whatever he wanted us to do for a week. And so, if you look up the definition of redeem, it says to pay the price of freedom. 
to pay the price of freedom. And that's really what I was doing, trying to earn my freedom and earn my own redemption. Uh, A synonym to the word redeem is ransom, and you're probably familiar with that, but it's the price you pay to release of, for the release of hostages. The price you pay for the release of hostages. When we sin, we become, we come under the power of sin. And so we're hostage to the sin that we have in our lives. And the only way to get freedom, to get underneath the power of that sin, is to pay the price or pay a price. But here's our problem. We all want to redeem ourselves. That's the problem. We all want to redeem ourselves. But all of our efforts of self-redemption will fall short. So if all of our own efforts of self-redemption fall short, then the question I have, so where does redemption come from? Or more specifically, what is the origin of redemption? And that's what we're talking about today. To end the series on origins, we're talking about that very subject today. So you're going to find, or we're going to find the answer to that, and we're going to start back with the story of Adam and Eve. Now, we've been camping out in in Genesis throughout this whole series, this origin series, and specifically the last couple weeks, we've been focusing in on Adam and Eve, and we're going to finish that story today. So if you want to follow along in your Bible apps, or we'll have some stuff on the screen, I'm going to be in Genesis starting in chapter 3, verse 6. And we're going to read through several verses here to set this up. Some of this we read last week, so it's going to be a little bit of a review. But we're going to finish the thought process we had last week about the origin of sin. So the origin of redemption. Genesis 3.6. I'm reading out of the ESV. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a, a hard copy, there are Bibles back at the connection counter. And there's also notes for you to fill out. Um, and we also have the new Bible app, too, that you can fill out notes electronically as well. So a lot going on there. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And what did they do after they knew that they were naked? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about this. And and if you weren't with us last week, you can always listen to the podcast. But one of the points we made last week was when we indulge our desires, shame causes us to hide. When we indulge our desires, shame causes us causes us to hide. And see, we see that here playing out in the story of Adam and Eve. And, and that's the power of sin specifically. And the only way we can get rid of that shame in our lives is through redemption. Now watch how Adam and Eve work at self-redemption. Verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said this. He said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. You see the finger pointing that's going on here, right? He, Adam was quick to say, well, hey, I, I remember what you told me, God, but the woman, she's the one that gave me the fruit, so she's to blame. Then the Lord God said to the woman, he's like, all right, I'm going to entertain this line of questioning for a moment. He turned to the woman and he said this, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So there, Eve is pointing the finger as well. So here they are pointing the finger at each other, at the serpent, at everybody else, and not taking responsibility for it themselves. Which brings us to one of the points in our notes. We try to redeem ourselves by covering up our sin. We try to redeem ourselves by covering up our sin. And that's what Adam and Eve tried to do as well. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever felt totally exposed by something that you've done wrong? If you have, if you've been in that situation, then you understand how Adam and Eve felt. Or maybe more specifically, here's a scenario for you. Have you ever done this? You're at work, you're in a meeting, and the boss says, hey, did you contact Dan about so-and-so, that project we were talking about? And you think to yourself real quick, oh, man, I forgot to call Dan, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, right after this meeting, I'm going to go call Dan. So you have it strategized in your mind exactly what what you're going to do. And then so then you hear yourself saying, yeah, I I called Dan, but you don't realize that the boss or the manager actually talked to Dan before the meeting, and they happened to strike up a conversation, and it was revealed to your boss that you hadn't contacted Dan. Nope. You're caught in a lie. And then what do you do? You start making excuses and you start fumbling around the fact that your boss knows that you've just lied. You're exposed. And now what you want to do is kind of crawl underneath the table as well. You just want to hide because you were caught in that lie. You'll do whatever it takes to cover it up. We cover up sin many times by lying. And that's what we saw with Adam and Eve, what they were doing. And number two, what we see also is that we, see, we try to redeem ourselves by blaming others. We try to redeem ourselves by blaming others, exactly what Adam and Eve did. They blamed each other, they blamed the certain, they blamed somebody else for getting caught in their sin. Maybe you've experienced this too. Uh, you know, your spouse maybe has took a look at your online history of uh, surfing on the net. And maybe there's some questions there. So what do you do? You make up excuses. You try to divert. You try to explain that it wasn't you or something like that. You go right into that blaming other people. Well, it was probably this person or that person or whatever. And it was you. You just have to be honest with it. Or maybe you've done this. Maybe you've ran off at the mouth with somebody that you love and care for. Just out of whatever, a situation, and you ran off at the mouth, but then they turn around and get upset because you just ripped into them. 
And then what you do then is, well, I got upset because uh, the kids made me mad or I had a bad day at work or, or you provoked me or something like that. And you try to blame other people, make excuses when you just realize you just you fell, flew, flew off at the handle, you popped your cork and you shouldn't have. And you should just admit it, ask for forgiveness and move on. We're trying to redeem ourselves by blaming others and making up excuses. But how many of you know that covering up, blaming others, making up excuses, self-redemption, it never works. It never works in our lives. So let's continue on and and see what God does. What, What does God do in this situation? So let's go back to Genesis and finish that story. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we see something very revolutionary, I would say. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. God clothed them himself. Point one in your notes is God covered Adam and Eve. God covered Adam and Eve. God did what Adam and Eve could not do effectively. He covered their shame. And there's more. He just didn't cover their shame, but we can think about this principle and understand that he covers me too. He covers me. God warned them that they would die if they ate of the fruit. But they tried to cover their own shame once they did eat of the fruit, and God covered their shame himself. And and basically what God did is, is God made a trade because an animal had to die in order that Adam and Eve could live. An an animal had to die so that Adam and Eve could live. And what I like to think about this point is that that's God's justice and it's also his grace. That's God's justice and his grace at work all at once. It's, It's his justice because if you disobey, you will die, right? That's what the Lord God said. If you disobey, you will die. There had to be a death for justice to be served. There had to be a death for justice to be served. And grace comes into play because God made a trade. God made a trade. And if we're honest with each other today, uh, it doesn't seem like justice, does it? Because the animal didn't deserve to die. The animal was innocent in this whole equation. But this sets the stage all the way back in Genesis for the ultimate redemption that's going to come that we find in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. I love how this all works out together. Genesis 5 tells us that Adam lived for 930 years before he finally died. That's quite a long lifespan, is it not? He lived that long, and it was by God giving them life and covering their shame that they were able to live that long. And once again, do you know what? He covers me. He covers me, too. So what is it in your life 
that makes you ashamed? What are you hiding from other people, maybe? What are you blaming other people for? And maybe it's not a verbal blame. Maybe it's in your mind. You're blaming others. What is it that makes you feel exposed in your life? Well, whatever the answer is to any of those questions, you need to listen to this. God covers you. God covers you. And he covers me as well. So number one, God covered Adam and Eve. Number two, we see that God covered his people Israel. God covered his people Israel. Not long after Adam and Eve experienced their experience in the garden, we are introduced to the practice of animal sacrifice, which is kind of really weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and God's grace. God was allowing animals to die as a substitute for the sin of the people. The animal was symbolically dying in their place. And the central to this concept of animal sacrifice was the idea that the blood of the animal was cleansing the people of their sin. Remember, this is a symbol that we're not really used to. So here's what we have to understand when we think about this situation of of animal sacrifice. We need to understand this, that blood represents life. Blood represents life. And the sprinkling of that blood represents that life covers death. So blood represents life, and the sprinkling of that blood represents that life from that blood covers death. So here again, we see God's justice and his grace working together. He has received the blood of an animal to cover my sin so that I can live. That's what we're talking about. And that was what the Israelites lived under under in the Old Testament. Once again, he covers me. But the animal sacrifice system was never intended to be the permanent solution to the problem of sin in the world. It was never meant to be a permanent solution. And so the Old Testament prophets, this is good, the Old Testament prophets looked forward to a day when a Messiah from the line of David would come and provide an eternal solution. A Messiah who would suffer and a Messiah who would die as a sacrifice for sin. And the fulfillment of that prophecy prophecy was Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And what's even more remarkable is when we look at the New Testament and we go to John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and this is John the Baptist 
And John the Baptist said this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that amazing to think of in light of what we've just already talked about? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was recognized as the solution to the sin problem that we all face. Jesus was and is the Lamb, the sacrifice that was required for the sin problem for the everybody, for all peoples of all time. That sacrifice of Jesus would cover that sin problem once and for all. Now, Jesus was the sacrifice needed to cover that sin problem, and his blood has redeemed us just as the animals and their sacrifices were used back in the Old Testament. Jesus, we can really look at as being the ultimate sacrifice for people for all time. So number one, God covered Adam and Eve. Number two was God covered his people, Israel. And the last point today is that Jesus covers me. Jesus covers me, and he covers you as well. Hebrews 9, starting in verse 12, talks about this. And I'm just going to read it real quick. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, Jesus entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. He covers me. That's the bottom line. He covers me. And then if we move to Ephesians, we see this, Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. That word lavished, I don't know about you, but to me, that gives me all kinds of images. Lavished means just not a small gift. Lavished means more than I need, more than I ever want, more than I could even ever think of is that he lavishes this on us. The riches of his grace and the riches of his mercy in our lives. It's, it's truly mind-blowing when you sit down and you think about it in this context. Once again, he covers me. He covers me. Romans 4, 7 says this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Do you see that imagery? Do you see the language that's being used in all of these different verses that I'm reading? He covers me. Now, because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating uh, in the ritual of animal sacrifices because those animal sacrifices were no longer required. I already made mention that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. They adopted new things in 
in their lives. One of those is baptism, and we did a, what we call a plunge fest a couple weeks ago. So that's one thing that the early Christians do that we still do today. But the other thing that we're going to talk about today, and we're actually going to celebrate it here in a few moments, is communion. And what we call that is the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And he used the bread and the wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, you and me, we take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and of his life through resurrection. So in just a few moments, we're going to go and celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion, like we call it, together. So I'm going to ask right now if, if those ushers that are available will go ahead and convene in the back, and I'll call you up here in a few, in a few moments. We're going to take part in communion together. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with all of this that we've talked about? There's huge freedom here in our lives. We can let go of our impulses to self-redeem because of Jesus. We don't have to self-redeem. We just have to be honest with ourselves and be honest with God and accept the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross and we will receive all the freedom we ever need. We can stop trying to cover our sin because he covers me. We can stop blaming everyone else because he covers me. And we can joyfully celebrate what Jesus has done. I know that sometimes some of us feel uh, unworthy to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And, And listen, really, nobody is worthy, all right? Jesus is the only worthy one. None of us are worthy, but But Jesus covers us when we accept him, and he makes us worthy. That's what Jesus does in my life and yours. We're not worthy, but when we come to Jesus and we accept him and then we accept the sacrifice, he covers me, and he covers that, and he then makes me worthy. And he's doing that right now in our lives. Let's go ahead and pray. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come up. And then when I'm done praying, we'll go ahead and and give the elements out, the bread and and the juice. And and I just ask that each one, we just keep it and we'll take communion together. But let's pray first. Father God, I thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, you are are truly, um, man, just no words can really come to me right now on, on how I feel. I just, I'm so thankful to the very core of my soul. I thank you, Jesus, that you chose to die on that cross to cover me, to cover my sin, and that you, Jesus, are the ultimate sacrifice that was required to bring salvation to all peoples for all time. And now, God, I know that uh, in this moment, we we just need to, to take a break and take a step back for a second and as you're speaking to each one of us, maybe, maybe there's someone here that needs to accept that sacrifice personally in their lives for themselves. Maybe they've never said, Jesus, I am a sinner. Cover my sin. Cover me, Jesus. I believe that you died for me and for my sin, and you rose again, and you have victory over death, and you give me 
that victory as well as I commit my life to you and as I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. And so if that's you and you need to to say that prayer as we're bowed in his presence, I would just say, just raise your hand real quick. I'd like to remember you in prayer. If that's you, if, if you need to say that prayer today and receive that gift that Jesus has for each one of us. Thank you. Thank you. There's a couple of us here today that want to say that prayer and and live that life of freedom that Jesus offers. So as we're bowed in his presence, I would just say each one of us, just repeat after me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for covering my sin. I admit I'm a sinner. And I believe you're that ultimate sacrifice. Thank you for dying in my place. Take my sins away, Jesus. Guide my future steps. I commit my life to you now. My old life is gone. My new life has begun today. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.